Well, hello, everybody. I'm really looking forward to today. Um, we have Elizabeth Dixon on the podcast. Elizabeth, welcome to Eternal Leadership. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here today. Everybody, think about this period of time that we're in right now. As I'm talking to, oh, you know, people at my church just, you know, after the service to executives of giant companies to friends of mine that are just building small companies. There is something going on right now um, that I totally understand. And I know Elizabeth, you do too, is this right now with the economy, with the world coming out of everything that's happening, there's just so much uncertainty and there's so much ambiguity that right now it almost feels like staying connected to purpose, following my vision almost feels like it keeps getting these roadblocks and obstacles just thrown at us and life has gotten so crazy so busy this whole virtual thing for me it sounded awesome in the beginning elizabeth now like there's no difference between my work and my home life and i get up early and then my grandson comes into my office because he needs some help and i mean there is no separation i just feel like i've been literally going 24 7 now for like i don't know over a year it's literally been over a year which is crazy and so I got introduced to Elizabeth by a good friend of mine, Bryson Davis. And Elizabeth works at, she's the head of hospitality and strategy at Chick-fil-A. And we got introduced by my friend Bryson to just talk about something that Elizabeth does incredibly well, which is really hard. And that is having big strategy, things that you know are going to move the needle, make the difference, grow the company, but bringing that down to actually execution what do you actually do? Like, who's ever been here? You go to a company, you go to this big retreat, and everybody has all these incredible ideas. And a year later, you're like, hey, whatever happened with that? Because mm -hmm. it's so hard to move those big ideas and strategy and vision down to what we actually do. And that's what I ask. And, and Elizabeth is just a world class. Her passion, and she's also started, you know, some of the work that she's doing outside of Chick-fil-A is speaking on these exact topics, purpose and vision and clarity. So a little bit, uh, uh, Elizabeth's just in a very accomplished, amazing corporate executive. She's also a serial entrepreneur. You guys are going to love to hear her story. She does something really special, connecting executives and their teams, integrating that strategy, that innovation, that leadership and that development right into getting the results, not just for the company, but for the individuals, Elizabeth, if you guys are interested, if you go to elizabethdixonspeaks.com, I love that you've broken it up like, hey, here's my personal growth topics and here's my organizational growth topics, but they're completely linked and I love it. Yes. Rico, you are also, let's see here, uh, recognize, you know, with the work that your team, the team that you're directly a part of recognizes the number one in customer service just year after year at Chick-fil-A. But you've also founded and operated a number of different businesses. Uh, you actively coach emerging entrepreneurs, which is a big part of our audience, towards success. So with that, Elizabeth, I'd like to just turn it over for you and have you kind of share a little bit about your story and your journey up to today and all these different interests. And I'd really love to hear about how you sold your first company mm. at 20 years old. So. It's so funny because for all of the entrepreneurs listening, I think you're going to relate to this. 
that I didn't know that that was a unique skill. I thought everybody had that skill. And I think that's true with our unique gifts that God has given us. They're so natural for us. And so we assume that everybody can do them. There's nothing really special about them. They just come so easy. And I think that can be one of the biggest lies that we start to believe is that we, we start to diminish the gift that we were given. So go back with me to college. And I was thinking about what I was going to major in and that whole season of life where everything is, you know, there's endless opportunity. And it also feels extremely uncertain, which can be a very uncomfortable place to be in. But in that season, there was something that I noticed. And that was as a ballet dancer growing up, I stopped ballet and suddenly I'm at college. And also I was then welcomed to this cafeteria and there was no mom cooking healthy, yummy foods for me, but it was like a smorgasbord of desserts. And for someone who loves sugar, I was in high heaven. And so suddenly I'm finding myself falling into this cliche of the freshman 15. And I thought, this isn't good. I got to do something about this. So there was a really tiny gym on campus. It was had all this hammer strength equipment, you know, the kind that all the big football players use. And as a more, I guess you'd say dainty ballet dancer, that isn't something I'm drawn to. And I thought, well, certainly I'm not the only one. And I think that question and that moment for every entrepreneur is a pivotal one. You find a problem that needs to be solved and you go, like, certainly it's not just me. And it starts you down this path of figuring out, is this going to be a business, a service, a product that is going to continue to grow? Well, for me, it did. And um, it was a very organic path. And so I found that there were other girls who also wanted to stay healthy and there was no place at our college for them to exercise that they felt comfortable with. So this is back in the VHS days. I got a Billy Blanks Tybo VHS and I taught myself how to kickboxing because that was the trend at the time. And I put up flyers all around our dorm. And I said, if you want to come and do kickboxing, like come to this hall, this room. And they came. And then on Thursday, they doubled and then they doubled again. And suddenly we're kicking and punching each other. I went to our SGA president. I said, hey, we have a wrestling room, no wrestling team. Can I use the room? And he said, sure. And hey, I cast a vision for him. Of this is what it could be. And this is the gap that it would fill. He said, you can have my boom box, like the big old fashioned like, oh, nice. boom box situation. Yeah. I said, oh, that'd be awesome. And so I put up flyers all around campus. I said, okay, we got to charge for this because price is a part of marketing too. And if it's free, people don't typically value what's free. But if there is some amount of buy-in that's required, that'll be good. So I said, you know, Coke was like 89 cents at the time. So I said, I'll do 50 cents, you know, 50 cents. It's less than a Coke, but it's still something. And so my roommate, Joy, sat there at the door and took all the 50 cents. I still have a few rolls of the coins that I keep as a reminder of that season, but it grew. And then, you know, junior year, I had instructors. And then in the end, the school said, we love what you have created. We'd have a hundred girls a night who were working out together. And, and they said, we want that to be a part of our you know, student life. And we will pay you, we will pay your instructors, we will let you keep all of the profits, 
we just wanted to take this on. So the sale of it was a unique sale. I didn't know any better. I was just like, sure, you can have it. And they'll just pay me to, to just oversee it. But it grew into something that now is this massive wellness center for students that go to college there. And so I think for entrepreneurs out there, there's those big moments when you go like, certainly it's not just me. Certainly other people have this problem too. And then you move down that path and it doesn't always, actually, I don't think it ever is really perfect. I think it is like the three by five card with the, you know, kick punch combo from Billy Blanks in front of you, just getting you going to say like, is this something that could turn into something bigger. So that was the first. And when that all transitioned and happened again, I thought, but everybody could do that. That's not unique to me. And it was the beginning of a journey that still continues today where the Lord just reminds you, like, no, I put gifts in you that are unique. I put gifts in all of my children that are unique, that when they use them, they have energy they feel alive. It feels natural and easy. And other people often remark and go like, wow, how'd you do that? And I think that beautiful blend of kind of the whole body coming together with all the unique gifts and strengths is really a testament to his creativity and ingenuity and how he designed us. Isn't that though? And, um, I love what you said there too, is like, I think it was, uh, Jim Collins says, you know what? It's not a fish that discovered water, hmm. right? right? Cause you're swimming in the water. It's just totally natural to you. And, and here's what I realized, you know, Elizabeth, after the accident that I had and I, and I realized like, why have I never really connected to a purpose that really felt like it was just rang true. And why was I in this place for myself that I was just, in like this place of just smoldering discontent. And part of that was I'd never slowed down to really understood not who I was, but who God made me to be. Mm-hmm. What are those things that I do naturally? And this might sound counterintuitive to everybody listening, but when we take time to kind of slow down and examine and grow closer to God and understand how we're made and say, okay, you know what? I am really good at solving problems. You know, what are some of those areas that might almost be blind spots? Cause they're such, so effortless for you. The thing about this, if you look at other people and they do things that kind of frustrate you, what if you start looking at that differently and say, huh, I wonder if it's, you know what? it frustrates me because that task, that activity, that interaction with me is so easy. Hmm. Now you, now you might be feeding into some of those things that are like part of uh, superpowers way too overused. How about this? How about there are some of those, some of the great divine greatness that was sown into you that you are meant to be bringing out into the world more often. Yes. Right. Don't you think I was just going to say, how often do we get caught in this trap also of comparing? And it's almost like if you imagine the appliances in a kitchen, you have the oven, you have the microwave, you have the blender, you have the dishwasher, you have the sink, like everyone has its unique purpose 
right? And it needs to fulfill that purpose. But so often it's like the sink is looking at the oven and like, wish I could get that hot. Like, I wish they'd put that apple cobbler in me and not just like the leftover junk at the end, you know? And it's like, no, if we didn't have a sink, (laughs) we would be so messy. And so I feel like that's another trap is it can feel so easy to us. And then also we can be so distracted in looking at other people's unique gifts and what they have, and we begin to even further diminish our gift and not use it because we're looking over at the greener grass on the other side, being like, wish I was like that. And then the world misses out. We miss out and everyone else misses out because we're not contributing our best. Well, you know, when we compare ourselves to others, I, you know what? I, there, I think there's two elements of this, right? I can compare myself. Let's say I look at your career. Let's say, you know, a lot of the women on the call are like, oh my goodness, she's been entrepreneurial. She's on the, you know, management team of one of the most respected companies in the country. She's younger than me. So I can either look at you and go, huh, wow, I'm not good enough. Hmm. Or Or I can look at you and go, you know what? If Elizabeth did it, There is a way forward. There's a path. There's an inspiration. What do I need to do to grow? Like, you know, I'm 55 years old. Hey, folks, I want to tell you stuff is I've had my these conversations with Elizabeth. I've learned stuff. I'm guessing I'm older than you. I'm not even going to. Right. As a matter of fact, I know I am. Right. I get to learn from everybody. But that comparison can be this real trap because, folks, I want you to think about this from a spiritual perspective. The day you were born. You are in God's image. In that image, right there in the spiritual realm is God's, what he sowed into you, your spiritual gifts, your values, your purpose. Does anybody doubt that that's not visible to God and all the angels, right? Like, like, oh, wow, this is, woo, look at, you know, God knew Elizabeth was coming before the beginning of the world. Now, it's also visible to the enemy. Mm-hmm. Now, think about this. What is their goal? All I have to do is warp your sense of your identity, Mm -hmm. make you doubt your abilities just enough that you're not effective. That's all I have to do. And comparison feeds into that, in my opinion, big time. And that is why we have to be very careful, because guess what? Do you think this is how the father talks to us? Yeah, you're right. You're just not good enough for that. Hmm. Yeah, you know, you're right. You're just not meant to be an entrepreneur folks, I'm just telling you, I have learned in in being in business and making business my ministry, that we have to be very careful of whose voice we're listening to. That's right. And it has to, I'm just, as a spiritual discipline, bringing it back to scripture. When God says, you know what, you will know the truth and the truth shall set you free. The truth is, I think, accurately hearing God's voice understanding God's word and what we do, whether it's to build a kickboxing thing in school, because man, this is where God's li- or, you know what, building a coaching business after you've been in the hospital for years and years and could barely even, I mean, I had to learn how to think again and walk again. And, but I love that. So, but here's what it is. It's not you comparison has to be to when it's looked at correctly is to a place of inspiration. What I think it is, Elizabeth, then leads into me competing with a better version of myself. Mm. 
so I have to give myself the grace, like, hey, you know what? I made some mistakes trying to build my entrepreneurial business to become a speaker, right? I know you're a speaker, I'm a speaker, but guess what? If I can just get a little bit better, if I can say, you know what? That did not turn out the way I wanted it to. Here is from a growth mindset. And if you guys all out there, I, I would encourage you to read Carol Dweck's mindset. You, yeah, you're nodding, right, Elizabeth? Yes, great book. Great book. But I always try to look at everything that happens now and say, okay, what did I do well? Even though maybe it wasn't the outcome I wanted. And the second thing is, what did I learn? How can I get better? Where can I take some ownership? So now from that, I want to ask you, Elizabeth, something you shared with me, and I'd love to hear how you did this and the mindset around this, is that you said a major lesson that you've taken from some of these pioneers from Truett and Kenneth Cooper was to take advantage and be prepared for unexpected opportunities. Could you say, what did you mean by that for everybody listening? Mm, that's good. So early in my career, I got to work for Dr. Cooper, who he coined the term aerobics back in the 60s. He's the father of preventative medicine. So back in the 60s, you know, putting someone who had any form of a heart condition on a treadmill and trying to improve their health and be preventative with their health was, was not a thing. And he got so much flack for it, so much pushback from the medical community. And I think all the pioneers, all of the great pioneers, when we look back over history, that's what they were faced with. And so whatever our pioneering is in our lives, this lesson was be prepared for the unexpected opportunities. They're not gonna come perfectly packaged with the instruction manual ready to go. I mean, even this morning, I read this great, great quote that was really inspiring to me. It said, the lack of courage sabotages more people than the lack of ability. Don't beat yourself before you start. Mm. The lack of courage sabotages more people than the lack of ability. But how often do we walk around, sit around, think about how we don't have it? We are, like you said, not enough. And John 10, 10 really clearly hits the nail on the head. It says the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I, Jesus, came that you may have life and have it averagely. No. Abundantly. <laughs> Right. He's like, I've come that you can have life abundantly. So the contrast of stealing, killing and destroying, you're not enough. Look at what they have. Look how far mm -hmm. they are. A scarcity mindset opposed to abundance of yes. Like you said, look at that person who has excelled in this little microcosm. I celebrate them and I want to be inspired that in my own space, I'm going to push myself harder. I'm going to have the courage to step out and not listen to the lies of saying you're not capable. Someone else has already done that. The big dogs of the big companies are out there. Your little tiny startup is never going to make it. Well, no. Like what happens if Jeff Bezos listened to that? I mean, our culture in America was shifted because he said, this is crazy that people should be able to get what they want, when they want, where they want it. And every industry has had to respond and say, we need to be able to meet customers in that place compared to before. So I think that it's critical that wherever we are, to your point, that we're not listening to those lies, that we are thinking with an abundant mindset and that we are on the lookout 
for those unexpected opportunities that come. And so for Dr. Cooper, that involved you know, starting this entire movement of preventative wellness. We talked about Jeff Bezos a second ago, like for him, like that changed our culture. The unexpected opportunity for Truett that I love was, you know, he had the dwarf house and he served burgers because the majority of his customers were Delta and Ford employees. There were three shifts. So he was open 24 hours a day, six days a week. So he had a day to rest and the food that he would cook, he had to be able to cook it under a certain amount of time because he knew his customer had to get in and get out and get back to work. So he would never do chicken because every form of chicken was bone in chicken. Well, the Good Brothers, they're a poultry company and they were servicing the airlines. And remember back in the day when you'd get those trays of food on the airline, it was like fancy cafeteria style. And it like, was like everybody food. got a meal back then. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Even in coach. It was, in coach. Yes. And then I like, got bumped yeah. up to business or first class once, like when I was in the military, like, and, and we, my wife, I was with my wife and we actually got crystal salt and pepper shakers. Oh my goodness. That's it was like, we were like in hog heaven. It was like the fanciest meal. I think at that point, me and my wife had ever had, so we were like pinching you. ourselves. Yeah. That's a great memory. Wow. But the Good Brothers, they work to, you know, create the meals that would be served on the planes. Well, they had this cut of chicken that wouldn't fit in the tray to be able to serve it on the planes. And so they went to Truett and they said, hey, Truett, we have this chicken. It doesn't have a bone in it, though. Could you do anything with it? And that was the moment. That was the unexpected opportunity of like, here we have something that doesn't work over there. And just look at that story from the Good Brothers lens oh, it didn't work. We did all this. And now the airlines aren't buying this piece of chicken. What are we going to do? Have we failed? Have we failed? No, it was an unexpected opportunity that came along and Truett said, sure, I'll try something with that. Well, suddenly he could cook chicken because it didn't have a bone in it and he could cook it under the amount of time that he said was required to be able to serve his customers the way they wanted to be served. And thus, after a few years, the chicken sandwich was created. So those unexpected opportunities come along, whether it's the, hey, we've got this, could you do something with it? Or it's, oh, this didn't work. Could it work for them? Or it's, I have this problem. Do others have that too? Whatever that is. Or if you're in a role where your boss says, hey, I've got this project. Will you take it? Or something comes along. We have this opportunity. Will you step into it? Those are going to come. But if you don't have the lenses on looking for them, they'll just pass you by. But you have to be prepared with the eyes open to go, oh, that's unexpected, but let me see what we could do with that. Let me see what taking a few steps forward could look like, because it might lead you toward one of the most pivotal moments of your life or your career or your impact for others that comes unexpected. Is it unexpected to God? Absolutely not. But for us in our paths and our journeys, because they don't come with that instruction manual of this is exactly what's going to happen next. We got to be on the lookout for them. So here's what I'm thinking as you're sharing that, right? Is John Maxwell used to share with me that, you know, that place where preparedness and opportunity meet, mm -hmm. that is destiny. Mm -hmm. And as I've actually thought about that, though, I really think as over time, as I've prepared myself and prepared myself, that those where well, that crosses kind of that line of opportunity, I think there's two or three 
things that can happen in your life that are like these big moments where you're meant to connect Mm -hmm. and are you ready or not? And guess what? When you're ready, that's when everybody else calls you lucky. Mm, That's fair. So I want to be called lucky, but here's the thing is, are there any habits that you've done over your career that you think have helped you prepare? Like as an example, when I got out of the military, I had this amazing mentor and here's what he shared with me, Elizabeth. He said, listen, and this is 30 years ago, but he said, John, who you're going to be in five years, it's dependent on who you associate with and what you put into your head. Hmm. And he challenged me to go find people that have accomplished because I wanted to get into business and start developing relationships with people that were ahead of me, that were successful, that he goes, also, your job is a fruit inspector. Hmm. What kind of marriage do they have? What kind of relationship do the kids do they have, right? Mm -hmm. If they're just wealthy, well, yeah, you can go get just wealthy and then be miserable. But then he also challenged me to read 10 pages a day of a book. Mm -hmm. And he handed me how to win friends and influence people. But all these books on the, I've read this and like thousands of others now over 30 years, Elizabeth, to this day, I read 10 pages of, of a book every day around brain science, leadership, people skills, emotional intelligence, the Bible, but is there anything that you've done that are maybe daily habits that have allowed you to be prepared when some of these doors open? Yes. So I'll tell you, and I just want to share, someone said to me about six months ago, I thought it was great. And I know you know this, but the average book is around 350 pages, let's say. So however many books you want to read in a year is how many pages to read in a day. And I thought that's so good because it can feel like in a day, you're like, well, I want to read 20 books this year, but I'll get to it later. And you kind of push it off. And then October rolls around and you're like, oh, if you're a type A person like me, you're like, go, go, go. We got to do this. But I think breaking it down into the day is really important. And so however many books you want to read in a year, read that many pages in a day. And by December, you'll be there. But I think to directly answer your question, I think my mind breaks it down into gaps and opportunities. And so when I think about preparedness for myself, I think about where do I have gaps? Where am I feeling tension and stress in fulfilling a responsibility today? It makes me uncomfortable when I get that email and it says this, when I have to stand up and speak and do this, when I get called on for this, when I get that phone call. These are the things that give me concern or I don't feel like I'm very good at. I keep getting this feedback that I could be better at this. Those are gaps. And I think that preparedness around our gaps is important. Not that we should spend a lot of time around the things that we're not as good at, but there is a certain amount, a base level of um, excellence that is required in the things that we're not as good at. So I think about preparedness and gaps and knowing, okay, what are they? And how am I proactively working towards them? As an entrepreneur, I'll give you an example. As an entrepreneur, I love the big picture. I love vision. I love strategy. I love being good enough to get it going. I get feedback in this season of my life that clarity is something that I have to be really intentional on. So I could say like, well, live with it. Like, this is who I am. I'm not clear. Elizabeth, is that because if you're kind of like you're entrepreneurial, your brain, you solve the problem, you, you're kind of a quick start and you want to yes. jump in, you okay. know, and that's okay. Now I totally relate to that. I love starting stuff and the details. I'm like, yeah, 
well, you know what? I'm going to go make a big mess. And at some point I'll figure out how to clean it up. Yeah. I just want to, I don't feel good if I feel like I'm not making progress. Totally. And I feel like kind of going back to the first story of, isn't everybody wired this way? Isn't everybody wired this way? Can't they be quick starts? Can't I just say like generally what to accomplish and they'll figure it out? No. The most of the people I work with are like, I need a list. I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> They're like a list. I need you to tell me what to do. I'm like, really? Because I don't like that. If you told me, John, like, here are your five steps. I'd be like, well, that's just boring. Like, where's the fun in that process? And so I have to know, okay, that's a gap. So when I'm working with list lovers, I need to help write a list to make sure that they are set up to be successful. So I think. Yeah. Can I share something there? Yeah. Uh I will never forget, I was sitting down with somebody on my team who runs all of our operations and our customer experience side of things. And I'm like, well, yeah, well, okay, this needs to get better. So, you know, this is kind of what it looks like. And we're here. This is where we're going. So, all right, let me know your thoughts on how to put all that together. And like two days later, she comes back to me. She's like, "Uh, I'm stuck. I'm like, what do you mean you're stuck? What I realized was, because we were working with the coach for our team, uh, I always worked with a coach. She goes, listen, this person on your team, they they see a blank piece of paper and their brain freezes up. That is not how they're wired. They want you to create a process. And once we've created a process, then guess what they can do is implement it. They can improve it. They can make it better. And that's when their strengths kick in. And I'm like, you serious? Like there's people that look at a blank piece of paper and it freaks them out. I like, I couldn't relate to it, Elizabeth, not even close. Totally. But then it's our job to like, I think about blank piece of paper versus the coloring sheets, right? Like our job is to make that outline of snow white or whatever the picture is. And then say, here, you take that 165 Crayola box and you pick all the colors because I don't know about you, but I'm kind of like blue's blue. Like, let's just do blue. And we're good. Whereas those folks are like, well, do you want cerulean or like periwinkle? Or are you thinking a little bit stronger of a navy? And I was hoping for a teal, actually. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. As long as it's blue, we're good. And we can keep moving. So I think that knowing that about ourselves and seeing how that can show up in these gaps is critical because our preparedness we're never going to be fully prepared and ready if we don't acknowledge what those are and, and face them and move them out of the blind spot space into the open. And for me, it's a question I keep asking, like, where can I help give you clarity? Like, that's my question, because I know that I want to go, go, go. If I need to help bring people along in their lists, I can ask that question. And then I think the other side of preparedness is the opportunities. There's the gaps and then there's more of the future opportunities. And what you said, um, I've heard it said before too, of like, you'll be the same person tomorrow as you are today, with the exception of the books you read, the people you meet and the places that you go or the experiences that you have. And so I think it's leaning into our natural desires and interests. Like, what do we want to read? What are we naturally gravitating toward? Who do we want to be more like? How do we surround ourselves with people like that. I was telling my seven-year-old the other day, 
the idea of you are the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. And he's a math lover. And so his mind was turning. And I said, you know, scale of one to 10, like if the friends that you're spending time with from a character standpoint are fives, like what does then that create for you? And so we talked about that, but I think it's true. Just taking a look around and going, are the people I'm spending most of my time with people that I want to be more like, are they inspiring me to be a better version of myself? Are they um, pushing me forward and cheering me on? Or is it the opposite and being free to go, we can incorporate new people into our rhythms and into our lives to make sure that we're moving forward, whether they're friends, whether they're mentors who are older than us, or they're mentors who are younger than us, or they're mentors who are at a peer level, like making sure that we are surrounding ourselves with people who are pushing us to be better versions of ourselves is really important for that opportunity side. Yeah. Such wise words, you know, and as all this comes down, we started out talking about, hey, you know, there's a lot of ambiguity out in the world. Mm-hmm. And I have always said to people, you know, that people are looking for this clarity, like you mentioned before, so that they can move into action. Mm-hmm. And I think we falsely create this dependent event. Mm-hmm. But I love what you talk about. And, and I think this would be a great thing for you to share is, hey, you can actually create that clarity that we need to have the courage to take the next step um, by really finding focus. And could you share with you, because I know that there's an exercise you do, there's questions you ask people to help them start to get that, to find the focus that gives them the clarity that I think a lot of people are seeking. Absolutely. So this was birthed for me out of one of those valleys. So we all have mountaintops and valleys and life seems quite cyclical. And I think the beauty, as my dad has told me before, is this is not forever. And for me, this was birthed out of a valley that thankfully was not forever, but it was very challenging and I lacked focus. I couldn't put words to what my purpose was. And that bothered me deeply. And it was hitting me at a season where like so many who are probably listening today, like you need that strong foundation because the foundation that we build our lives from is so important. And so critical, the strength of that foundation determines the strength that we can live from. And so in that season of my life, my foundation felt shaky in my mind, my spiritual, my heart, like all of that firm and good. But when I, when I came down to making decisions of left or right, say yes or no, you know, for our family, for our kids, like all that, it just felt so overwhelming, so cluttered, so jumbled. And it became fear-based. What if I make the wrong one? What if I made the wrong choice? Oh no. Oh no. Oh no. And I think this season of life, is very much like that. There is so much flying and so much going on. And if we don't have that firm foundation, if we don't have a strong foundation, then we're not going to be able to live from a place of strength. So that's kind of the history of where it came from for me and that journey for me. And I thought it doesn't have to be this hard. This question of purpose doesn't have to be as daunting as it feels to me right now. And so The approach that I take is thinking about, okay, your purpose. Why do you exist? What are the words that come to your mind that bring life? They bring energy. They kind of ignite you in a way for why you uniquely 
exist. And so knowing your purpose. The second is the business term of your mission, which in layman's terms is what you're going to do. Or for people, it's like, what's that gift? What are you uniquely good at? And we talked about this already, that those things we often diminish or we start to compare with others. And that's a dangerous place to be. But what is that gift that you're really, really good at that other people comment about and it brings you energy and it brings you life? And then the third question is who are your people? Like who is your audience that you are serving? Because I don't think I'm the only one, but sometimes in life we can get very distracted. And the people who are gonna be sitting at my table 30 years from now, should be the people I always put first. But when I'm in the middle of some busy meeting and my precious six-year-old comes in, there is a tension I'm feeling and I want to put the person on the screen across from me, no matter how much I love them, I probably will not be in close relationship with them and they probably won't be at my kitchen table in 30 years. I want to put them first. And for me, it was recognizing how backwards that was and that I need to make sure that I'm clear on why I exist what my unique gift is to the world. Am I the blender? Am I the oven? Am I the kitchen sink? Like, what am I? And embrace that. And then lastly, like, who are my people? And who do I need to make sure that are getting my very best yeses and nos? And, you know, for me as a mom and an employee and an entrepreneur, being very, very confident with my yeses and nos is important for my health, for my emotional health, for my spiritual health. And so when I have that confidence of, okay, here's why I exist. Okay, here's what my unique gift is to the world. And these are my people. I can run decisions through those three filters. And that becomes our focus, the combination of those three. And when we can put them into a tight and concise sentence of to honor God by creating new value for my family, my friends, and my community, that's my focus. And when someone says, can you get coffee? Hey, can we go do this? Hey, will you be room mom? Will you do this? I can run them through that list and go, does it line up with these three? Does it align with why God made me and why I exist? Does it align with my unique gifts to the world? And does it serve my people? It brings clarity. It brings freedom. It brings confidence that for every yes that we say, we're saying no to thousands of things. And oh, so, so true. Confidence. You need that. Otherwise, there's that compulsion of like, I don't want to say no. We'll flip that around because every no that you say is representing an intentional yes. And the more confident we can feel with that. And for some, no's are, they feel like bad words. And so I can be that way sometimes where I just want everyone to be happy. And so finding new language of I'd love to not right now. That sounds like so much fun. How about next month? Oh, that would be really great. That's not my skill set, but it's Barbara's, you know, using words that help you honor your commitments and just honor who God made your life to be so that when we get 50 years, 60 years down the road, we can look back and go, I'm really proud of those decisions. Those are really good ones. Beautiful. So agree. The thing that I see just limits people's joy, their effectiveness. And it's, it's how I'm wired. I think a lot of us are, is kind of that people pleaser mode. Like you mentioned. Yes. 
And I just want to highlight is, you know what it was, is if anybody, I think as a framework to start on everybody as a takeaway, what Elizabeth said is just ask yourself that simple question is, why do I think God made me? Right. And, and let, guess what, folks, don't overcomplicate it. Mm-hmm. When you, God wants you to know, this is not a secret. You okay. just sit some time, you have some quiet time, some prayer, something's going to pop into your head and you're like, Hey, just don't judge it. Don't self edit. Don't worry about like somebody reading it going, well, that doesn't look impressive enough for yeah. well thought. Just write it down. Yes. What are those giftings? Even ask your family, Hey, what are, what are those things I just do that are like <laughs> that you guys just, that's just natural. And think about those folks. But as you do this, think about creating that framework. So you, how would you like to know what to say yes to and what to say no to? So you're not saying yes to the people that you want to please, right? That's I call right. it the tyranny of they sometimes, Elizabeth, mm-hmm. right? What, what do they expect of me? Well, they expect me to volunteer for this charity. Well, mm-hmm. they expect me to work this many hours. Well, they expect me to not have my daughter come into my office when we're in an important meeting, that is not okay because I'm important. So like, Oh goodness. Well, that's what the culture here expects. And all of a sudden, when you get clear on, I think listening to God's voice in your life, that's where you talked about. And now it is so empowering. I remember the first time I did this and somebody said, John, can you do this? And I said, you know what? Right now in my life, this is what I'm focused on. And so this wouldn't work for me. But you know what? I know this amazing woman, Elizabeth, and I think this is up her alley. And they, I got it. It was a nonprofit. They wanted me to be on their board. And I'll never forget. He's like, thank you for saying no. Like that was clear. And no, almost nobody does that. They're like, well, let me think about it. And they string us along. And they're like, I love that you just made a decision and, and did it that way. And I got to tell you, I just felt, I felt really excited the first time I went through this and then said no to somebody. Yes. All right. With that, Elizabeth, thank you. And uh, ElizabethDixonSpeaks.com is your website. This has been so great. I'd love to have you back on. You know, I could just sit here like you and I are just kindred spirits. That's how I feel. Everybody listening, so many great things we've talked about. Just as we wrap up, any final thoughts you just really like to leave with folks, Elizabeth? I think it's the courage piece. I think it's giving mm. ourselves the permission to take another step forward. And so whether that's putting pen to paper about what our purpose is in life and not feeling like anyone needs to read it because they don't, mm. or it's stepping out for a new business venture that you've been just thinking about and thinking about do it like take those next steps because they often say I have a friend who studied centenarians everyone who's lived not everyone who's lived but people who've lived over the age of 100 years and the big common thing they say is that it's the regrets are not around the things that they did it's the things that they never did and so I think the piece I'd leave for all of us and I'm speaking to myself today of just do it like take one more 
step. And it doesn't have to be extreme. It could be waking up 15 minutes earlier tomorrow morning so that you get in a priority, a big rock priority for your day. It might be something around your health or your finances or a business or your work, your family, like whatever it is, but just like have the courage to take one more step, do one more movement forward. I think that's where I would leave us today. So, you know, I I think that things that have small beginnings have the potential for great outcomes. And I love what you just said, folks. Listen to Elizabeth, one of the most successful people I know in her advice was, hey, even if it's getting up just 15 minutes early to just start working on a habit and guess what? Have that standard of excellence for yourself, but also give yourself the grace you're going to want to take those small steps forward. And there's going to be days where you miss or you get busy, but guess what? Tomorrow is another second chance. That's right. Guess what? So listen, have that standard of courage of reaching out, taking that next step. But when you have a bad day, you know what? Here's what I found too is the one thing I would add to that is that whatever that small step is, even if it's 15 minutes a day, find one of your buddies a friend, somebody, uh, a coworker, a mentor and say, okay, you know what? Here's the small step I'm going to take. There is something powerful, even if it's little things to share it with one other person. So with that, Elizabeth, you are awesome. Thank you. Is there any other place people can get in touch with you besides your website? A website and then Instagram and LinkedIn, both Elizabeth Dixon speaks. All right. Awesome. Thank you. And keep knocking them alive out there. Hey, thanks. You too. 